Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role joy plays in our own journey. Hello and welcome to episode 128. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the second episode in the very fun-filled Friendpreneur series. (laughs) We're back right now. It's a Thursday, which of course is an unusual day for the podcast. This week, this episode, I'm talking to my friend Laura Heacock of Kind Over Matter. It's a wonderful website. And we are talking about juggling a nine to five while building a business at the same time, how to incorporate kindness into your everyday and all about Laura's new book, Practical Kindness. Laura and I met through a coaching training program, CLCC, led by Kate Courageous. And Laura is a lead coach there, and I was a participant and later a mentor coach for a couple years in the same program. So that's how we know each other. If you are new and you're wondering what in the world the friendpreneur thing is all about, well, it's a fun series that I am doing, and it's where I'm interviewing friends who are also entrepreneurs. <laughs> so that's where the word comes from. In 2018, I decided that I would like to do five episodes every month because there's not always five Tuesdays in each month. That's why you're getting a Thursday episode this month. And the fifth episode for each month is going to be this series where I'm having a conversational and a little less formal conversation with a friend who is also an entrepreneur. It's so much fun to get to ask friends how they're doing things in their business. And it's also so fun to share these spirited conversations with you. You'll see me being a little more me and a little less of the serious (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Interviewer. Um, But it's a lot of fun. If you want to go back, the first Friendpreneur episode was just last month, and it was with Christy Tending in episode 123. I will link up to that in the show notes. Before we get to the interview with Laura or the conversation with Laura... I want to say welcome. I am so glad you're here. It is a treat getting to spend a little time with you each week, and I'm glad that you're joining me today. Uh, If you're new here, I publish show notes for each episode, uh, and those include the links to a guest site. If you're driving, this is a great way. Uh, You don't have to write any notes. (laughs) You can just remember to go to jumpstartyourjoy.com when you get to your destination, and you can also get the additional references and links to books that we talk about, and some of my thoughts about the topics that we discuss. You can also get them right from, if you're looking in the Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts app, you can just click into the show notes right there. They'll all be there as well. So two ways to look on the site or in the app. And you can find them for this episode at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Laura Heacock. And her she spells her first name L-A-R-A. And Heacock is H-E-A-C-O-C-K. So some news and updates before we get to this fun conversation. My mastermind friends, Julie Houghton and Liz Applegate and I are hosting a free online workshop It's tomorrow, you guys. (laughs) That would be Friday, March 23rd at 11 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. 
And it's all about finding and claiming confidence in your life. We did this webinar a couple of weeks ago for a private group. (laughs) You know, we're on the private webinar circuit now. (laughs) Um, But we did this for a mom's group and we thought, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. There's so much juicy goodness in this deep, you know, in this topic. So we are offering this, this workshop to you guys for free. Uh, you've met them before, and I know you really love them because the comments are always so amazing when Liz and Julie are on. But we're going to be talking about how to deal with negative self-talk and the, the inner mean girl that we all have. Why familiar habits and comfort zones are keeping you from doing the things or going after the things you really want in your life and how to work through all of that. Fun tips and tricks, a lot of aha moments. We would love to have you. So to sign up, you can visit jumpstartyourjoy.com and look for the Reclaiming Confidence image on the homepage. Uh, You can sign up, send in your email address, and you'll get a link. Also will be a replay later. So if you're not able to make us live on um, Friday tomorrow, we will send you the link afterwards as well. So I so so hope you'll be there tomorrow. And so let's get on to the fun friendpreneur conversation with Laura Heacock. Yay! Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the second in the Friendpreneur series, you guys. I am so excited. If you guys listened last month, I had on Christy Tending, who is a friend and an entrepreneur. And this month, oh my goodness, I am so, so, so excited to have on Laura Heacock as my second Friendpreneur. Welcome, welcome, Laura. Yay! Yay! I got to tell you, like, this whole conversation is really jump-starting my joy. <laughs> I totally just, like, it's a gray, rainy day in Philadelphia, and I, this is like, I made myself a little list, and I posted on social media of things that are brightening up a gray Friday, and this is totally on it. So thank you, thank you. I am just, I am also being brightened by uh, just knowing that this was on the calendar. So I Yay. am glad we get to talk. So one of the things I make sure and explain to listeners, since we're friends, um, is where did we meet? And that was from the Courageous Living Coach certification program where Laura is. It was Tinder, Paula. It was Tinder. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. It was, it was the Courageous Living Coach certification program, but it's really funnier my way. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does make for better show notes. <laughs> kind of because we're like two middle-aged married white ladies too. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't much of a hookup, I, but we're, we love each other. <laughs> Exactly. We did find love. In all the right places. Oh, but (laughs) um, yeah, so CLCC, you guys can find it, tribeclcc.com. It's a great coaching certification program. Um, I've been a mentor. Laura here is a lead. And so you guys can go check that out. But so we are checking in today as friends and entrepreneurs. <laughs> Let's talk about Laura. You have some exciting news that you've been up to since we last talked. You want to want to walk us through it? Yeah. So, like in all areas. Um, so my goal for this year, being 2018, is to do more work in the corporate space. So I am currently working with my own coach to help me craft a keynote speech and to start doing or to start learning really how to get myself into the corporate world to do, um, you know, speaking engagements and and training sessions and really taking the kindness message. You know, for years, I've been working with leaders on a one-on-one basis about self-kindness, but I really want to take the message of kindness into the corporate space. So that is one big thing. 
I, I self-published a book on um, kindness. It's called Practical Kindness. It's available on Amazon. And I am about to go full bore into entrepreneurship. I have, in my journey so far, been kind of straddling that salaried world and entrepreneurship. And that is about to end in the very near future, possibly before this podcast airs. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> right, right, hey. I know. So, like, major things major things. Like it's big stuff. It's that like that tightrope of super exciting and somewhat terrifying. That is generally the thing that leads you to a really good place. It does. And if you can get in the mindset of being delighted to be there, then that just Mm -hmm. makes it fun. Otherwise some days it's scary. You know, it's funny that you said that, like I had, so I made this decision probably like the fall of 2017 and I, I was on a business trip and I came home and I just had a conversation with my husband and I said, it's time, you know, here's why, here's the details. But I, I had that shift that you just said, instead of thinking, uh Oh, I don't know what's going to happen this year. I really just hit my stride and got to the place of, Oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. And it's such a difference. And it's really what's propelling, you know, all of this action forward. Ooh, yeah. Well, and I find that there's something, I don't know if it's confidence or is it just approaching it as play or like, what do you think in case somebody else is like, yeah, I know my gut's telling me I got to do that thing. What is it that you Mm -hmm. feel like helped you get there? Or was it just the Liz Gilbert quote of like, you've never seen transformation until someone is just tired of their own bullshit? (laughs) Yeah, so I would say like a little from column A, a little from column B, and mm-hmm. a little from columns like C through Z. So I think part of it is just, you know, having my coaching practice for this is my fifth year and building up the confidence with that, dipping my toe into in the past couple of years doing some corporate work and, and realizing that that actually really excites me. Um, and also, I turned 40 last year. And, you know, about four or so months after that was when I had this big realization. And it was it was a little bit of the Liz Gilbert thing where I was like in a hotel room getting ready for doing some marketing activity. And I was like, I should be doing my own, you know, my energy should be devoted to my business, not this other thing. And Mm -hmm. just really following through with that and not letting the fear still there. This is my, the big thing I like to share with my clients. Like I think the best we can ask for in life, whether it's, you know, with fear or doubt or or whatever your word for it is, is to recognize that it's probably always going to be there. It will likely take, you know, sometimes it'll be really loud. Sometimes it'll be more quiet, but the best that we can ever really strive for is to have it be a passenger, not in the driver's seat. So like the fear is still there. It's hanging out. Sometimes it's in the back seat. Sometimes it's in the seat next to me. Sometimes it's trying to drive but really recognizing that that's okay. And that doesn't mean anything like just because it exists doesn't mean that I am doing the wrong thing or I shouldn't be doing the thing that I want to do, or I shouldn't be taking a risk. It's like, no, this is, this is just how we're we're wired and how things work. Yeah. And I find, I mean, I think there's something in there because we both are dancing in that space, just in case the audience doesn't really, really know me well. I'm also certified coach. Clearly have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love retreat work and I'm kind yeah. of, I, I'm marveling at like some of the similar paths that we are following because I would mm-hmm. also love to bring the message of joy into the corporate world. Like I see this mm-hmm. is missing. So um, let's have that conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> you and yep, me, girl. That, w- yeah. Okay. Let's schedule that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Kindness, 
kindness and joy, like talk about a corporate American transformation. Oh my uh, gosh. Let's, let's lead that revolution. I am so ready. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm in. Um, I'm, I'm like 50% there. <laughs> yeah. So corporate speak, let's put that in a parking lot. And, but like, yep. I, <laughs> I can see this thing where it's easy in so many ways for me to stay in a nine to five place because it's reliable. It's, kind of safe, even though there's some things that are not desirable about it. But I don't know, like, yeah, I think that's my stuck point too sometimes is like, I feel, I don't know, not ready, but whoa, am I ready to get out of this? Um, yep. Yeah. So I, I'm just, I'm loving all the similarities between our two, our two paths. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'll be very transparent. You know, I did not come home from that business trip and quit my job right away. Like that was... Right four five months ago. And, you know, we're at like the 11th hour at this point, but I mean, the decision was made then. And that was when, okay, so the conversation started and I made my little household finances spreadsheet and we talked to our like financial, you know what I mean? Like we worked mm-hmm. out all of the, the details around it, but it was the first time that I actually felt capable of putting it out there. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like telling people, you know, holding myself accountable, holding myself accountable to the people closest in my world and saying like, yeah, this is happening and it's happening in the first quarter of next year. And, you know, the time has come. Mm, I'm sensing there was a lot of freedom once you went, yep, this is game on. Here we go. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. I could just the energy in your voice like shifted there because you just got really excited about that. And I'm delighted by it too. Well, and I wonder, like, I think in that, what I'm also hearing is like that time when somebody, if if audience people are like, yeah, I really wish I could. I think there's something about it as kind of the dream into action angle of it. Like you have a, a mm-hmm. dream, but until you've got some actionable steps, I think that's where I feel frustrated and stuck a lot of the time is like, I see so clearly what I want, but then it's the how that has a problem for me. And which is weird because I'm a project manager by day. And it's like, I should hmm. be able to do this how. Like, <laughs> this is what well, I, I do. Tell you, like, I was totally stuck. Like, you know, I listen, the coach, like, <laughs> take my advice. I'm not using it. Like, I was totally uh-huh. stuck in my story. Like, I had my canned response and my canned line. And I was believing it. You know what I mean? I was, I just was very, um, narrowly looking at my situation, like, well, you know, here's the reasons and I can't do it because, and then as soon as that sort of internal shift happened, I was able to see a whole bunch of possibilities and ways that I actually could do it. Mm, Yeah. Ah, That's what I get to soak up right there. Um, Yeah. That's the good stuff. Let's talk about your amazing book, Practical Kindness. Yes. Congratulations. It's so exciting. Um, Tell us about it and like, how did you pull it together? What is it about? How does it work? Yep. Yeah. So it's Practical Kindness. The subtitle is 52 Ways to Bring More Compassion, Courage, and Kindness into Your World. And it is, you know, 52 ways and 52 weeks in the year. It's meant to be a little, you know, week over week guide to give you a little dose of, of kindness that you can practice for each week. And it's divided into four sections, just like the four seasons. So it's really meant to just kind of align with the flow of, of life in a year. And you can start it on January 1st. You can start it on August 21st. It really doesn't matter because it's just week by week. So the first section and really the foundation of all the work that I do is self-kindness. So there's a bunch of weeks of practices and inspiration around self-kindness. 
And then we move into the courage to be imperfect because I think that you need a really strong foundation of self-kindness before you can take those risks and start to be imperfect. For me, it was a while before I could drop that mask of perfectionism. And then we move into kind living and taking some of that kindness out into the world. And then finally, life lessons. And it's just a bunch of weeks of life lessons that I have learned, some life lessons that um, I've imparted to my clients and, and that they've had an opportunity to learn. And you know, ideally just to help you move along in your own learning process with a little bit more ease and support. Mm. I, I love so many of the angles on this because I know one of the things, <clears throat> pardon me, um, is that's so hard about a lot of kind of self-help-ish personal development books is you get the theory, but then you don't always get the action. So I love that this is so purposely, purposefully, I guess, Mm -hmm. You know, you took the stance of like, you're going to need some time for this to soak in. And and how do you break it down so it's not just stop the negative self-talk, right? Like that's the Mm -hmm. (laughs) position or whatever. Like, no, how do we do it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a pragmatist at heart. Like despite, Mm -hmm. you know, my little tray of crystals, thank you for one of them, Paula. Um, You know, at the end of the day, I want to understand like what it is that you actually have to do. And so many of the weeks in the book actually give you Um, something to really take with you for the week or something to try on for the week or something to engage in for the week so that you get some tangible things to try and some results each week that you're practicing the kindness in the book. Mm. What was the most surprising thing about either writing it or, or the most surprising thing that you found yourself putting in the book? Mm. So I think Let's see. So the funny thing is when I was pulling it together, I found a Word document that I had created two years ago with the idea to do this book. So that's kind of interesting for my own process to learn. Um, So it was an idea that had been brewing for a while. And then, you know, really this like end of year sort of shift that I had internally is what gave me the energy to pull it together and, and get it out there. But I think the most surprising thing is just really how I've felt in the process of pulling it together. So I tend to get pretty easily frustrated with technical stuff. Um, One of the ways that my fear or my inner critic shows up is I don't care. Um, That's kind of my go-to or like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just sick of it. I don't want to do it or frustration. And I did, um, I used Create Space and self-published on Amazon and I'd never done it before. And it was not a hard process now that I look back on it. But what was difficult is you have to format it, obviously, in a very specific way in order to be in the size book that you desire and then to format for a Kindle screen and things like that. I had to reformat this thing more times than I can tell you. And I had moments of like, F it, I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, it's just going to be the size and I don't care. And I always came back to it, which is Mm -hmm. a big deal for me because that's always my easy way out. My easy way out is like, this is a pain. I don't want to do it. I'm, you know... I like to have the idea. I, I don't like to do the detail stuff. And I just really had a realization each time I went back to that actual like tedious work of putting this together that it was the right time for me to do it and that I really, really wanted to do it. And I believed in it so much because I was, I was capable of sticking with it and doing the stuff that normally is my easy out for, for the, the things that are big and scary, like putting a book out into the world. Like that's scary for me. It is. Oh gosh. Oh my goodness. Um, well, and I'm just like nodding furiously over here because I found such a similar (laughs) thing about even just starting this show, which was like, okay, I mean, I I do web production, like that's the background, but 
<laughs> but then podcasting is a little bit different. And, you know, that. so my frustration point with so much of that was like, there's a great, a bunch of great tutorials out there, but then trying to find every single one of them and piece them together, like it would have been really easy for, for me, it would be kind of a, a learned helplessness. I don't even really know where that came mm-hmm. from, but like, it's easy just to go, oh, I don't know, you know, and kind of roll over mm-hmm. and let it win. And I found a similar kind of inner strength of, no, this isn't going to beat me. Like, this is important that I'm curious. And I, I, I don't know really what's there, but maybe something, a message for anybody listening is like, when it's right, it just, you just stick with it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it means if it's feeling really hard. I don't know if you have thoughts on that one, but that's an interesting thing to kind of note about both of us in process. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like stepping away, I mean, Mm-hmm. I ordered a bunch of different, you know, when you go through this process, like you, you format the book and then you order a physical proof and it comes to you and you look at it. So, I mean, I have like three different looking proofs because it was like, okay, don't like this about that. Don't like that about this. And, and then finally getting to the one that, that is the finished product that's out in the world. So, uh, you know, for me, I think that stepping away is good. I mean, there are also times when, you know, I just, was so in the zone and I was working on it and, and I didn't even realize how much time had elapsed or I just got in and it was like, okay, I'll just do up to chapter 27. No, I'm going to go up to 41. And while I'm here, I might as well go to 52. So, you know, I had, I had both of those, but really, especially in the times when I was just like, Oh, I can't figure this out. This is such pain in the ass. I'm just going to walk. It's going to be good enough. Like, right. I'm just going to put it out and it's going to be good enough. And, and I always came back to it. Cause I was like, no, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. This feels like I'm not going to be proud of how it is in the world. Like I want it to, you know, to look a certain way and to feel a certain way and to be something that, that excites me. And I always was able to get back to that point. And I think part of it was, was taking a break when that frustration was at its tipping point, but not letting the break be a stop. Mm. Ooh, yes. Um, I love that. Cause it's, it's so tempting when it feels hard just to say, eh, like I'm done. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. discomfort, I think, pulls us all of us away from our joy in so many ways. Like we just let that mm-hmm. thing get the best of it or us and it's easy to walk away um, and then likely have regrets. <laughs> At least. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> like apparently I had me. this idea two years ago, right? Like yeah. apparently this idea started formulating way back then. And, and I do believe in timing and I do think that that probably wouldn't have been the best time. And, you know, I had more content to draw on now that it's two years later. And I just, I like, it felt exciting to me to be like doing a Facebook live and doing launch videos and stuff like that. And I don't know that it would have felt that way in 2016, maybe the fear would have been driving more than I was. And now, even though it was there, I did put the work in and I have something that I'm proud of and I took breaks when I needed to, and it feels really exciting and it Mm -hmm. feels really good. And that's, that's where the joy comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And letting it be its own right time. Mm -hmm. I think is I'm hearing in there too. Mm. Yeah. When you look at practical kindness as a practice, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, where can people start if they're like, yeah, I am so not, I, there's, I can't do that. Like I, how could I possibly be kind to myself? Because I think some people get stuck there of like the negative self-talk is so loud or that's just their default position right now. I don't know if somebody's feeling that resistance of it sounds great, but yeah, no way. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll answer that in two ways. So the first, the quick answer is what is the smallest possible thing that you could do that would feel kind? Maybe it's hitting snooze once in the morning and getting 10 more minutes of sleep. Maybe it's going to bed 30 minutes earlier. Maybe it's, you know, stopping and getting uh, a, a fancy coffee on your way to work. Maybe it's, you know, putting a dollar in the donation bin as you walk into Target, you know, anything like Whatever the itty bitty, tiny, teensiest little way that feels accessible, that's the place to start. You know, there's no wrong way to start a kindness or a self-kindness practice. And then the second part, the longer version of that is that my own self-kindness journey came completely from burnout. So in 2014, I was working a crazy, intense commission job. I was in coaching training. I was um, a brand new blogger starting at the end of 2013. And I decided that I was going to do this like daily acts of kindness project called 365 days of kind and just add that to my play. Like every day I was going to have to do a random act of kindness. And literally by the, the like third or fourth month of that project, I was so burned out. And my solution was self-kindness Saturday. And I was petrified and I thought people are going to judge me. I'm supposed to be doing a kind act every day. And here I am doing something for myself. And wouldn't you know it, it was like people were super excited about it. And the concept of self-kindness Saturday, you know, that was four years ago and people are still talking about it and, and I'm still talking about it. And it was literally out of that complete burnout and desperation place. And it started with like, I'm going to get a manicure this Saturday and it's going to be self-kindness. And it grew from there. You know, my brand of kindness now includes setting boundaries and having hard communicate or conversations, um, you know, prioritizing, caring for yourself, you know, food, clothing and shelter, all that kind of stuff. But it really started from that place of complete and utter burnout from work and from the expectations I piled upon myself and from trying to be perfect. And, Somehow I was just too tired to let the fear win. And I just started with a manicure every Saturday. <laughs> mm. Yes. And <laughs> it's so funny the way like the trajectory of like starting to follow something. And, I, and in that, I mean, like kindness as a topic and as something that, I mean, it sounds to me like it's kind of your muse, like it called you in and it asked you to dance and it started with an easy step, if you will. Uh-huh. But now like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I've had a very similar relationship with joy where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this seems easy. And then things get hard and I find myself going, ah, damn it. Like I'm still supposed mm-hmm. to be following you. And I don't mm-hmm. know if, if you've had like a similar journey of seeing all the variations and different sides of kindness that you probably wouldn't have expected when you started with the manicure. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't expect it to lead into, you know, using your voice as a woman, having difficult conversations with loved ones, setting mm-hmm. boundaries and, and protecting your time, you know, practicing vulnerability, you know, in the professional setting, it includes things like consistent feedback, transparent team management, you know, coaching instead of directing. Um, I, I had no idea what started over four years ago with, you know, complete exhaustion and a manicure on a Saturday, even though I was petrified that people were going to judge me and think I was selfish would lead to this big thing. And, you know, sometimes the big thing is like, whoa, what is even happening right now? But it's definitely, you're right. It's, it's like following a museum. I'm, I'm grateful for the path. And in my work, I believe only 
in baby steps. I tell people all the time, if you're looking for a coach that's going to give you, you know, a light switch kind of change, like from off to on, then that's not me. I believe mm-hmm. that the only true sustainable kind of change is small, small steps. And, you know, the smallest of steps from getting a Sunday or a Saturday manicure, because I was too exhausted to do a single act of kindness in a day has led to, you know, helping transform, you know, corporations and, and companies and leaders into those that are people centered and, and based in kindness and like <laughs> who to thunk. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's so fascinating that that is the kindness you showed yourself then just kind of blossoms and blooms based on your ability to say yes to one, like you said, a baby step. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Cause joy's got me thinking, especially uh, with the political situation right now, mm-hmm. there's a lot, but I think this, you know, and I'm trying to distill down, like, which is the thing that I really want to then kind of put under the umbrella of how do we put more joy into this thing? And that doesn't sound quite right, but you know, I, there's so much hardness out there. It feels like it would be easy to pull in one thing that I stand for and bring that in as a joy. You know, there's there's got to be able uh, the the ability to put more joy into something. And and how does joy shift it if we if we put that layer on it? Clearly, I'm still mulling well, this one over. <laughs> no, and I'm curious. Like, I would imagine that you know, your coaching is similar to mine. Like you're probably really amazing at getting individual people to get back to joy, right? Like mm-hmm. I have become in my my individual practice really good at helping people getting to self-kindness, like getting people over that burnout, right? Like to me in my world, like self-kindness and, and creating co- uh, cultures of kindness in corporate America, it's really because it's an antidote to burnout. And we have this culture that's obsessed with busyness. And I'm using my air quotes here, like busy ness so like this whole kindness practice is really the antidote to that. And, and I became really good in my private practice at, at getting these people who were, you know, established professionals, you know, mid-career leaders over their burnout. You know, they came to me being burned out and, you know, the kindness, my brand of kindness is really what helped them. And now I kind of decided I want to get underneath of it and I want to help preventing it. I want to help prevent it from happening. And I could see joy in the same way. Like I would imagine that your clients are like, they've just lost their joy and you're helping them reconnect to it. And maybe there's a way to get underneath of it. And how do you prevent them from losing it in the first place? Yes. Yes. You're, you're spot on with that. And seeing that like in my work as a project manager, which is an interesting, like, I think it's, it's interesting to see how a nine to five and having the coach angle kind of feed each other. Like there's something about it that if I walk into a room as a project manager and set out on this project in a fun way, and and sometimes this sounds so corny and people are like, what are you up to? You know, and we come up with a team name and we hand out little dragon toy dragons that we all put on our desk. Like then we're aligned in a way that feels, I mean, a little corny, sure, but it's putting a different frame around it than this thing that like, well, we're just implementing a website, right? Like Mm -hmm. when there's levity infused in it, everybody feels a little bit more engaged and delighted Uh to do the thing. Um, And I don't know, I mean, that's the thing that kind of toys with me is like, that's clearly joy. I think there's, there's clearly kindness in that as well, because it sets a tone of how are we going to all talk to each other when we do this thing? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's, that's part of it. And you're, you're right in there in that gap section that you were just talking about of how do you set people up? to find that joy slash kindness slash happiness, whatever 
that positive thing is that <clears throat> we wish we had more of probably every day. Like, how do we set ourselves up for that, both as an individual, but as a group? Like, that's the mm-hmm. fascinating territory, truly, for me. Yeah, and I think that, you know, people on the surface think, oh, joy, oh, kindness, like, they're either mm-hmm. easy, or they're fluffy, or they're, they're not important, or anything like that. But really, when you get under it, you know, like, when you're talking about joy, you're talking about more than, you know, like riding a roller coaster, right? Like there's a very mm-hmm. deep component to it and there's work, you know, there's established habits that you, you can tap into to really stay connected to your joy and kindness is the same way. Like there's processes to go through and practices that you'll learn and a toolkit that you'll build to be able to, you know, stay connected to this under this umbrella of kindness. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not a light switch. It's not easy. It is, it's definitely a project to undertake, you know, to to speak in project management terms, like the components of joy and the components of kindness, like they take work and they take practice and they're worth it. Um, But it's not something that you can just say like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to infuse more joy in my day. And yeah, I'm going to operate under this mentality of kindness. And it's like, yeah, not, not most of us can't just do that. (laughs) Yeah. Why do you think we can't do it? I wonder what your take is on that. Oh gosh. Um, so I will say, if anyone that's listening is familiar with uh, the Gretchen Rubin framework of the four tendencies, I'm an mm-hmm. upholder. And if anybody should be able to just do it, it's an upholder. Like, and there are some <laughs> things that I can just do, like heads down, power through. I can just do it. But really, I can't just, you know, flip the switch and and make sure that I'm always in a state of kindness and operating under you know, my values and, and things like that. But I think, I think it's a million reasons. I think it's, I think society is a big one, especially speaking as a woman, you know, like mm-hmm. we are still paid less than men and we are still told that ambition is evil and you are supposed to be, a lot of people want to think that, oh, great. Well, kindness just means you're supposed to be a nice, quiet woman. Absolutely not. Kindness means speaking your voice and, and, you know, advocating for yourself and and building allies um, and things like that. But I don't think that our world is built in a way that we really value these things. I think that we value, um, you know, productivity and results and that idea that the number of hours your butt is in a chair is what's (laughs) valuable about you in a day, not who you are as a human and how you show up. And gosh, what if I could even have a better result by operating in a different way. Like that kind of stuff is just starting to crack the surface. And, you know, I think people like Ariana Huffington are a huge part of that. You know, she left her, her namesake company to start focusing on, you know, creating a healthy culture in corporate America. Like things are coming, but it's, it's brand new. And most people still look at it and say like, well, yeah, that's nice for her. Yes. Yeah. And I know, I think it was just like, this will be back in the archives, but well, one, I'll link up to the Gretchen Rubin, um, <laughs> that the four, um, the four tendencies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Brilliant. And once you kind of know, so this is, if people are listening, they're like, what are you guys talking about? It's, it's, um, there's four different kinds of tendencies and it's basically how you held, hold yourself accountable or don't to do things like what's your motivator. And it was so eye opening to think that people don't all approach responsibilities or requests in the same way. Um, really enlightening as a project manager, but also as a coach, because then you're like, Oh, now I get why you're not doing those practices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of a rebel because my husband's a questioner and I'm just like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think I there is one that's rebel, right? I think that's what I am. It's yeah. a problem. Yep, it's, you're a rebel. It's a real problem. It's not. I'm just kidding, mm-hmm. friends. Um, But yeah, <laughs> the, the whole thing about how we value things is fascinating. Um, I don't know. I was talking and somebody, I think it was actually a friend of ours, may have been Carly, who's also a listener. Hello. Oh, um, hey. And she wrote in and said something about um, how she loved something about it was the imposter um, episode, uh-huh. which I'll link imposter up to. Complex. Yes. Yeah. And how we look at the title of expertise or expert. And in my mind, what you just said there, Laura, about what do we value? It struck me as she wrote, and I think I wrote her back and said something about this, but like, we don't actually even have expert titles for like joy expert or mm-hmm. kindness expert. So I'm going to start calling myself that. So you guys, I am now mm-hmm. a joy expert and my friend Laura mm-hmm. here is a kindness expert. It's a thing. Yeah. And like, but also like who gives awards, like the whole mm-hmm. value system around this is kind of goofed up. Like we have values and and titles for people who do all sorts of things, but it's not always these people and soft skills that we're talking about here, mm-hmm. which is, it struck me as like, there's a whole thing that supports other things, you know, being worthwhile or worthy of our time, but joy and kindness kind of get left out. <laughs> yeah. And what kills me is, you know, so in my previous corporate life, I was a recruiter for 13 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest reasons that people were turned down for jobs was this quote unquote culture fit. And the truth is that companies all have a culture and they all have values listed on their website. And that's usually as far as they go. And if you genuinely, truly have a culture and you live your values and you create an organization you know, part of a kindness focused organization is, you know, having your values be more than something that's just on your website. That's when you actually create a culture that works and you create a culture where people stay and where it's not just, I'm going to leave as soon as the next um, high dollar amount offer comes along and they believe in your products and your services. And, you know, the Richard Branson quote, if you take care of your people, they'll take care of your clients. I mean, that's truly what infusing joy and kindness into a culture does. But like you said, like there's not a CJO, a chief joy officer, or a CKO, a chief <laughs> kindness officer. Maybe there will be. I mean, I'd like to fast forward 10 years and think that that could be a thing. Even a chief culture officer, you know, somebody that's actually mm. responsible for ensuring that the company lives their values and they are, you know, taking care of their people. Because, I mean, I have clients that have been living proof of that. And when they are, you know, faced with an employee that comes in and says, I have an offer for this much more. And then they have the conversation with them about, you know, that's fantastic. And if that feels like the right step for you, let's go ahead and do that. And let's talk about what you're getting here. And you're getting the choice to be, you know, noticed as a person, not just a number and you're, you're, you're valued for your contribution. And, you know, we are kind of a fun culture and, and we're super casual and, you know, you can work when it's best for you. And, and then just really giving them the freedom and the autonomy to make the decision, they buy into it. You know, it's not always about money anymore. Mm, yes. Yeah. I mean, and I'm seeing that in my own role. Like right now I am, I have a sweet deal where I can work from home a couple of days a week. And there is a benefit to that. That's way beyond pay. Now, of course, yep. <laughs> pay is a reality and not of meaning course. to sound um, too Pollyanna-ish about it. But I think that's so, so interesting. And I feel like, and this kind of comes back to kind of our friendpreneur thing here, is like the entrepreneurial piece of it comes into play because what, is it 
a third of all people are now like freelance slash contractors. I mean, it's we're seeing a tr- an, an amazing shift in how the workforce is is fueled and what people are doing and like all of that. Yeah, I mean, there's a word for it. People are calling it the gig economy. And it's yeah. really this concept of, you know, people are putting really fulfillment above everything. And fulfillment looks different for everyone. You know, for some people, fulfillment is the highest paycheck they can get. That's awesome. That's cool. As long as that is true and authentic for you, you know, have at it. But for some people, fulfillment is like you said, the pay is a factor, but it's no longer the only factor. You know, work-life balance is a factor. And do I feel like this company buys into me and values me? And can I make a contribution that I feel good about when I go to sleep at night? That's a factor. And a lot of people are just, you know, kind of cobbling together income from various sources because they, you know, multi-potentialize. I was just talking to a client the other Mm -hmm. night about, I said, have you ever heard the term multi-potentialite? And he immediately responded, he's like, no, but it sounds like I just got excited and hearing about it and really going from that concept of there's something wrong with me because I haven't stuck with anything to what if that's the thing that's right about me? And Mm -hmm. that is actually what brings me fulfillment. Um, But yeah, the world is changing. It is. Oh, yeah. And if people are like, ooh, multi-potentialite, um, Emily Wapnick, I'll link up to those episodes too. Like, ah, it's such a breath of fresh air to think that that's, yeah. that's one of the things that makes you ne- unique and really special and that sometimes you let go of stuff just because you've already spent your time with it and you didn't need anything mm-hmm. else out of it. Like, mm-hmm. you're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. There's an amazing, my favorite article, and actually the one I sent to this client the other night, it's, if somebody wants to Google, it's on Forbes. And it's, if you just Google Forbes and multi-potentialite, you'll find it. And it's just fantastic. It really is just speaking to all the different aspects of it. And one of the things that I really believe, and I never considered myself a multi-potentialite. Like I always figured, you know, I come from a family of people that just have jobs and that's what you do. And that was kind of what I saw for myself. And I found this thing that I love which is coaching and it fits best into the container of entrepreneurship. So suddenly I'm becoming this multi-potentialite person that was probably always there, but I never even considered. Um, And it really goes into, in this article, there's generally a through line. So there's something in every position that I've ever held that has been consistent. And for me, it's always been people. And I've said that even before I ever got into this world that I've never you know, I've never like been head over heels with any job that I've ever had, but it was always about the people. Like I always loved the people. Like I had great people. That was what drew me to positions. That was what kept me in positions. And that's what made it harder to leave positions. Yes. Uh, and it does make such a difference when you have a good mm-hmm. boss or mm-hmm. like your team's amazing and the chemistry's right. Like mm-hmm. that can cover up or make, I don't know, make anything doable for a while at least. Yeah. And I mean, I think the translation to the personal world is like the work that I do with my clients. I'm sure it's similar to you is, you know, you have to build that inner circle and, you know, who are your, who are your go-to people? Who do you call to share your highest highs and who do you call to help you through your lowest lows? And having that inner circle of people is one of the components of a fulfilling life and having, you know, people that are, you know, feeling good and having sort of that professional, um, like that professional group that is sort of equivalent to that in, in nine to five life is one of the things that makes the job more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I notice I feel so much more depleted when I feel like I don't have a go-to person. I mean, mm-hmm. especially, it almost feels like it's compartmentalized. Like there's some people that would be great to talk to about jobs and other about personal things and just finding those right people is so key. Mm-hmm. Um 
I know one of the things that you've been passionate about and <laughs> also been kind of instrumental, whether or not you you know that, but about oh. um, is masterminds. And oh, God, I feel yeah. like that's a great an entree <laughs> right there. I am kind of an evangelist. Yeah. Speaking of like that inner circle. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what yeah, I found, so- go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> No, no, I was just going to say, like, you know, entre- you know, our, our mutual friend, Joe Casey, talks about entrepreneur isolation. And, you know, especially when you are, you know, you're working for yourself, you have your own business, and, you know, maybe you go to a co-working space or something like that. But for the most part, if your life looks like mine, most of your friends and family have a J-O-B, and they do their nine to five, and they don't really get what it's like to be on that journey of, of having a business. And, you know, having a mastermind truly has become that inner circle for me, you know, that place to go when I'm excited about something. Um, you know, my mastermind were, you know, the first people to know that the book was happening and, you know, helped me promote it and got excited about it and, and helped me step out of smallness when I was like, well, it's just a little, and it's like, no, it's a thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, that inner circle concept is really key in all aspects, like personal and professional. And when your professional equals entrepreneurship, it comes, it looks like a mastermind. It does. Yeah. And I, I, it's so interesting um, because there's just not a ton of people that get it. Like, you know, if somebody comes back and is, they just never reschedule and like kind of the disappointment that you're, you know, it's hard. Everything about it can be hard. And if, mm-hmm. if you don't have people to talk about things, um, you know, it's, it's, can be so lonely. And then that's an opportunity to spiral into something that is, you know, isolating in, in further ways. Um, so I've found it really super helpful to find a couple people, ours is three people. And that seems like mm-hmm. a perfect size mm-hmm. to really bounce ideas and be like, Hey, am I crazy? I'm thinking, you know, it's time to raise rates or, I thought mm-hmm. about this, uh, you know, five-day challenge. Does this sound like it's nuts? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's so much more fun to have two other people to be like, no, that sounds like a great idea. Or, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> you mm-hmm. might be a little off. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I really have realized that that is, you know, like you were saying with isolation and, and the spinning and like that to me is when I'm isolating, when fear moves into the driver's seat and when I start to believe it. And when it starts to become the thing that feels like what's true as opposed to a component of a bigger picture, right? Like fear is always a component, but when it starts to feel like it's really true, having that mastermind is the thing that can pull me out of that and remind me that like, yep, totally cool. You're feeling scared and, and we've got you and that's okay. And that's not actually the truth. Here's what's the truth. Yeah, because something interesting does happen and and it's crazy. Um, sorry, I'm gonna let the dog out. <laughs> cool. Do it. Who let the dogs out? Paula. You let the dog out. <laughs> I'll cut that part. <laughs> He's like, I gotta go, lady. Let's do this. <laughs> I usually don't edit these. That's the other funny thing. So I mean we can if we I edit the topic. The do- I don't edit my videos, so I would leave it. There are so many videos with cat situations happening, I would leave the dog in. Um, but it is interesting how it's, it's easy to get all up in your head about like, well, what is, what am I making this mean? And like, um, yeah. And just having people to remind you because it, the, like you just said, most of my other, um, 
most of the rest of my network is not doing entrepreneur stuff. So finding a few people, and that's probably one of the really fun things about this series too, is that like we all get to talk about it and kind of share and I don't know, encourage other people who are maybe listening and are in a similar spot to, to find their best selves and, you know, remind them of what makes this all so amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you have, if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur and you don't have a mastermind or a close friend that is in the same, you know, professional space and gets it, you know, definitely go out and and find one, whether that looks like a meetup group or, you know, there's a ton of Facebook groups for entrepreneurs that you could probably find a mastermind in. Um, But it is, you know, it's really been invaluable. Like I don't know how far I would have gotten without it because again, it's just, you know, you're the, the sum of the people closest to you. And I, I, I sort of believe in that. I sort of don't, but especially when it comes to professional stuff, like literally everyone I'm surrounded with is just in a job and that's great. And, and that's awesome. And I was for a very long time and that can be a great choice for someone. And it doesn't provide me personally a lot of support when I'm struggling and thinking about starting a business, it very quickly lends to the thought process of like, oh, well, nobody, you know, that's just not what I do, right? Like, that's just not Mm -hmm. who I am. And so I'll just, you know, keep going in this way. And there will be this, you know, unfulfilled part of me. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And when you hit that point, I know that both um, Liz and Julie will be like, no, who's this? Like, (laughs) Where's that other higher part of yourself that knows that that's not the truth? And let's, yep. let's work it out, girl. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, I know. I love them. I love them. Um, well, the one thing I like to ask all of my friendpreneurs, because of mm-hmm. course, doing the day-to-day in this world, like what are some of, I don't know, tips, tricks, or tools, maybe it's a great way to put it, like that you find yourself leaning on and you really feel like you got to have this if you're doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. So obviously a mastermind, I'm pretty sure we've, <laughs> we're, we're real clear on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely find some people that understand what it's like to be, to be in that space and, and running a business or even a small company. Um, you know, figuring out what works for you energetically. Like I know it, you know, it's tempting for me to get up and, and work most of the day in my jammies and, you know, like get around to getting a shower at some point that doesn't work for me. What works for me is getting up and, you know, getting a shower and getting dressed. I mean, getting dressed and like, being very generous here, I'm like leggings and a sweatshirt, but like going through the motions of doing that is it really changes how I feel the rest of the day. Um, I'm also really making sure the first thing I do in the morning, um, and I've been doing this for a few months now, is not pick up my phone. Um, and my mm-hmm. phone some days is my alarm, so I'll turn my alarm off, but like I go and I get right into the shower and I'll get out and I'll, I'll feed my cats and you know, I'll take my vitamins, all that kind of stuff. And there's got to be a good amount of time for me that passes before I start engaging in that space. And it's something that I want to continue to deepen. Um, so just figuring out, you know, energetically what works for you, noticing just really becoming that observer for yourself. So I learned a couple of years ago when we had a really bad winter and I'm in the Philadelphia area on the East coast, our winters are weird. And it was like, it had been a few days. I mean, like three or four since I had left the house, like more than three steps to my mailbox. And it was not good. It was like to the point where I was thinking things like, 
well, I mean, Amazon delivers groceries now, so I don't even have to go to the grocery store. And I don't, and it just, I, that spiral that we were talking about. So I learned that I need to do something, you know, at least every other day that is out of the house, even if it's just like, I need to go to the gas station or I am going to go to a yoga class or like maybe go to the gym <laughs> theoretically, mm-hmm. but you know, something like that, that is actually getting out. And to me, I learned this lesson just very recently. I need to keep talking about the work that I'm doing because that spiral happens very quickly. Like I think with anything energetically, what I'm learning about myself is that I have this kind of like two to three day window where if I, you know, if I stay kind of hunker down at home and only doing online stuff, that inner critic starts to get really loud and that imposter complex starts to, to grow and the fear starts to take over and get into the driver's seat. So really just learning energetically what I need to do to be able to stay grounded and, and stay connected to my my message and my confidence and then doing it, like doing it for myself and, you know, making it non-negotiable. So maybe that means having an accountability partner. Maybe that means, you know, putting reminders for yourself or, you know, laying out gym clothes the night before, whatever that means for you. Like my way doesn't have to be anyone else's way, but really learning what it is that makes you thrive in in your day-to-day and giving yourself that. I think that's so important. Yeah, it's interesting you just said about like not touching your phone. I've been, this has been a personal battle um, because it is my alarm clock. So I finally Mm -hmm. hunkered down. I bought an old-fashioned old lady alarm clock. Nice. I only say that because it has huge numbers. I'm nearsighted um, and it has huge numbers. You can dim it. People, I'll link this thing up. It's pretty quality. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying That's it. Awesome. And like it, I don't know, it it has reframed when I don't get up and just check everything. I mean, mm-hmm. all, everybody says, of course, that'll change your whole day, but it's true. And mm-hmm. I am grateful for my old lady alarm clock. Alarm clock. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Yeah, it's no joke. I mean, just having that time in the morning to do anything other. I mean, not that I'm not addicted to my phone like most of America the rest of the day, but really just making that shift of not having the first thing that hits my brain be alert. I mean, you Mm -hmm. said checking. Like, I I am a checker, man. The little, I have an iPhone, and if you see the little red number next to any of my icons, it's like instant anxiety (laughs) mode. It's like, oh, there's something I have to do. I have to check it. I have to respond. I have to. Like, I have this Pavlovian reaction to it and giving myself that space in the beginning of the day to not feel that way, Mm -hmm. I think is one of the things that like gives me the freedom to do it later. And now I notice here's, (laughs) here's maybe the downside of it. Now I notice that I get real ticked off if I am like with someone and their phone comes out, like if I'm having lunch with a friend and their phone comes out other than to take a picture or something like that, (laughs) I'm like, I am not a happy camper. I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) No, no. Well, this is human time. This is interacting time. So <laughs> that's been interesting. And obviously I don't, you know, I have those conversations kindly and, and I just really, I stay true to my values. Right. And my values are when I'm with a human being, my phone is not engaged. So right. that's, that's what makes me feel good at the end of the day. I like that. And I like knowing, you know, your own, having the knowledge of your own value system and what you need and then making sure it happens is um, Mm -hmm. such a a loving, loving kindness for oneself. And um, yeah, I love it. Mm, Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Yeah. So much fun. So much joy, right? Like what, like an hour of joy. How amazing (laughs) to bring that into the day. So thank you. It was all I hoped and dreamed. Well, my pleasure. And thank you so much for joining me. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, Laura, thank you so much for being on today. 
and for always bringing so much joy into the world. I just, I cannot wait to talk to you more about the crossroads of joy and kindness in the workplace. So let's get on the phone about that. I'm sure you guys are going to hear more about it as we figure out what that all looks like. So to find out more about Laura and her book, Practical Kindness, and her work, you can visit her website at kindovermatter.com, or you can go to my website, jumpstartyourjoy.com slash Laura Heacock, L-A-R-A-H-E-A-C-O-C-K, and you will get links to her book and all that information, or if you're, if you're just trying to get to it quick, you can go to jumpstartyourjoy.com this week and you'll see it on the homepage. Um, so there you go. And while you're over there on the website, go today, go today, because you want to sign up for that confidence workshop that Julie and Liz are offering, and I are offering tomorrow, March 23rd, 11 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. So you're going to want to tune in. We are a mastermind. We have so much fun together, and it's just, we are so delighted by this topic. So you will find a link on the homepage, Reclaiming Confidence is what you're looking for. Just send over your email address and you're going to get all the stuff you need to either be there live or get it on replay. Next week on the show, stylist and coach Rain Parvis joins me to talk about personal style, her having been a stand-up comedian, and, and why I still have a pair of shoes that I bought in Boston 20 years ago. I have never worn them out. And, and why I still hold on to these shoes. So no, it has nothing to do with new kids on the block, but Rain really dives into it with me. <laughs> we totally hit it off and it was such a lighthearted conversation that I just know you guys are gonna fall in love with her. It's just, this is one of my favorites and I never say that. So I hope you guys will come back tomorrow for the workshop. Go sign up right now. And that you will also come back next week when I talk to Rain. Um, And until then, I hope that your day is filled with so much joy.